Hey everyone, it's Matt Harmon from the Yahoo Fantasy Football Show. Are you sad there's no fantasy football going on right now? Yeah, me too. I've got good news for you though. It is fantasy baseball season right now. Join a public league, join an instant draft, or create a league with your buddies before opening day. It's Yahoo Fantasy Baseball time. Sign up for the 2024 fantasy baseball season at yahoo.com slash fantasy baseball or on the Yahoo Fantasy app. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world that could use a nap. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. Good morning. Good morning, sir. We are back uh, in our hotel room before we depart from San Diego, but we are still here. Are we technically still at the winter meetings? No, but we are still in San Diego and we have more baseball news to talk about. I got to say, Jake, when we came into this week uh, and made this plan to do you know multiple pods a day from the winter meetings, I was very worried about the timing of the moves that would happen, right? And sure, yesterday we had the, the Aaron Judge wake-up call, the Arson Judge wake-up call, um, but I got to be honest, we've had really nicely timed moves because after we podcasted yesterday, before we left the winter meetings, it was like, oh, are we going to have something else before tomorrow morning? Who knows what we'll talk about? And then, as always, AJ Preller continues to give us stuff to talk about as Xander Bogarts is coming here to San Diego. I don't know if he's going to be here before we leave, uh, but Xander Bogarts is on the Padres now. Who's it? Oh, get is the that, door. Get, get the, the door. door. It's, it's Xander Bogarts. He's at our, our hotel. Probably, probably not going to Thir- be staying at this hotel when he comes to sign this contract. That is true. Uh, Xander Bogarts, 11 years, $280 million to the San Diego Padres. The Red Sox leave the winter meetings with egg all over their socks. Let's talk about Xander Bogarts, the player, before yes. we talk about the move. Yes, I mean, this is a player, when we did our Shortstops podcast, which we, we sort of prepared that, that podcast together right before Thanksgiving. At the same time, I think we, we ended up sort of at the same conclusion. We did our superlatives at the end, and we decided most likely to succeed Xander Bogarts. The weirdest thing about this offseason coming into it was we had the big four shortstops, except people were putting Turner and Correa so far ahead of Bogarts and Swanson. And I never understood that from the beginning. Sure, maybe you look at Bogarts and say he's not going to play shortstop for that much longer. But from an offensive perspective, he has been arguably the most consistently reliable hitter for the last five years, let alone the last you know two and three. And he's durable. And yeah, I think that's that part is- of it. That's part of consistency. That is huge, right? When we, it's so difficult to predict durability moving forward, and I understand that. But when you take a look at big contracts that go wrong, usually it's just the player gets hurt and doesn't play a lot, or the player gets hurt and their skills decrease as a result, mm-hmm. right? Stevens Rosberg comes to mind. Mm-hmm. It. it that's a reality of signing people into their 30s or signing people for a lot of money to play a sport, mm-hmm. right? Now, Xander Bogarts is as durable and reliable as it gets. He is sixth in games played since the start of the 2015 season, which is remarkable mm-hmm. for a shortstop. Yeah. 
yeah. right? To be on your feet all that time and to mm-hmm. post every day. And the other thing about it is that players who post, who show up, who play every day, get a lot of respect mm-hmm. in baseball. That is a mm-hmm. thing that baseball players love about other baseball players. Mm-hmm. Like when Bryce Harper talks about JT Real Muto being his favorite <laughs> player, like that's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. And Bogarts has that level of respect within the baseball community. Mm-hmm. And coming to a team like the Padres, where it's like a gaggle of mercenaries, mm-hmm. essentially at this point, <laughs> all hanging out with one another, I think he's going to slot in really well in that group. Yeah, uh, and exactly. And, and getting that certainty that as for where he's going to be playing every day, we can talk a little bit about that. But as, as far as just adding someone to the lineup that you know exactly what you're getting, there are very few players in in the league that are as what you paid for as Xander Bogarts. And I think that is why he ended up getting paid a lot more than what people thought. And d- despite how much I was doubting that it was ever going to be under $200 million, I mean, 280 is maybe a little higher <laughs> than I would have expected. Uh, but... As we've seen this week, the theme has been the Padres waving a ton of money in front of the top free agent's face and say, hey, come come here. Let's do it. It's nice here. It is quite nice here. Uh, but their first two targets, well, I guess they tried with Jose Abreu. That was a few weeks ago, and the market hasn't, wasn't getting quite crazy yet. At the same time, with Judge and Turner, it seems that they were competing with a situation where they really... Those offers compared to the ones that they were getting from the Yankees and from the Phillies where maybe they were better than or more money or close, but at the same time, the amount, the, the degree to which Turner seemed to want to stay on the East Coast, go to the Phillies, the degree to which Judge wanted to stay a Yankee was not going to be outbid over. Whereas the money wasn't going to talk. The money wasn't going to talk uh, to the same degree. Whereas in this case, the 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 sentiment coming out <laughs> over the night of this deal when you first see it is that the Red Sox weren't even close, right? I mean, this isn't a situation in the same way to some degree as, as Degrom, but in this case, it does seem like Xander did want the Red Sox to have a chance to match, and they didn't even sniff it. And so, as they say, he I don't love this terminology. He had no choice but to but to take the Padres offer. But at the same time, I look at it, it's like, yeah, that's a way a lot more money. There are players who want teams to want to give them the money they want, yes. if that makes sense. Like, Bogarts, all things equal, would have taken i would imagine if the money was equal he would have taken a boston deal yeah right i agree but there is a a delta (laughs) between the two deals where you like i think you gotta take the one with more money like if it's 30 million dollars yeah boston's not that nice right like (laughs) it's not it can't be no place it seems like it's even more than that right i mean we're talking and i think even compared to Degrom, i do think that this was one where uh he 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 wanted to, but I don't know if it if it uh, if you're, you're going to turn down that much more. <laughs> Eleven years too, right? I mean, to me, everyone is talking about Bogarts only getting six or seven. I guess that was because of the maybe defensive defensive flexibility moving forward. If he's more likely to move to a corner or second base, at the same time, he's the same age as Turner. So I didn't really totally get why. Especially once Turner signed 11 years, I was like, okay, why can't Bogarts get at least 9 or 10? Like, I I don't see why not. I want to talk about the Padres spending all this money. There is the chatter, right, of people saying, how are they doing this? Where is the money coming from? Is this model financially prudent or sustainable? Mm -hmm. If you're a Padres fan, you shouldn't give a shit. That's the first thing. (laughs) 
right? It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's not your money. It re- unless for sure. ticket prices go up a ton, or what, it, it's not your money. Okay. What I like about this, and Passon noted this in his article about how they're the 27th biggest media market, and they have a 250 million dollar payroll. Like, yeah, I think me, they're they're right. They're going to be up at. Are they? They might have a top two payroll this year. Correct. And the way that they keep going at, at this right. point. That is interesting. That is notable, right? We can talk about, oh, everyone should be spending more money, and we believe that. But when the 27th biggest media market is running a $250 million payroll, that is saying something, right? And in talking to people around the winter meetings, there's a sense that they're just trying something a little bit different. They want to win, and they think that the business model here is like, let's spend a crap ton of money. Mm -hmm. And see if we can do it in a different way, mm-hmm. right? The prevailing way to make money off a baseball team over the last 15 years is you keep salaries down and you get good prospects and you win games and you get your TV deal. Mm-hmm. And that's that, right? It feels like the Padres are saying, let's invest 5X and maybe we'll Everything make... in the team. Everything in the players it, and the product. Right. So that, again... Maybe you... we'll make the same amount... Back. Yeah, and and you know the the ticket price point is is I think relevant, but at the same time, if you are clearly investing in a in a superior and exciting product, then the fans are going to be like, yeah, I will probably pay a little bit more to go see it because you are giving me a reason to pay a little bit more to go see it. It's a better. It's like seeing a better movie or a better concert at a better because, show. Because because a ton of teams across the league, just because of whatever how inflation works, are raising ticket prices every year and not right. doing any, not changing anything about the roster and just expecting people to pay it. But in this case, it's like that's that is that more is, of a, a fair trade off. That is a funny way to think about ticket prices. Like, yeah, I mean, I hope it, they don't. I'm not saying I no, no, no. But. I, like I'm saying, I would pay more money to see a better band mm-hmm. than a worse band. Right. So like. I would probably pay more to see the Padres than the A's. Like, <laughs> right. Right? right? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not that's, advocating. That, that, that's a, it's a slightly more complicated conversation. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but in general, I, I think it, it is true. And to your point, it, it, sh- it shouldn't affect you. And I think Padres fans uh, realize that. I, I'm still just kind of it's not shocked money. to be it's, in this reality that it is the Padres. Not just because it's the 27th. To me, it has nothing to do with how big yeah. the media market is. Yeah. Because I, to be honest, I, I don't know how they judge that media market i don't i don't necessarily understand that and also like i come to san diego i'm like this is a city this is a cool place where people would want to be like I, this isn't, that surprised me to me it's more about the team the padres right this is the part i keep going back to and i know we have slowly been learning this since manny machado signed here yeah and since satis came up and since they traded for soto and since they traded for darvish and dead blah 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 but again it wasn't that long ago they were forget 27 they were the 30th team you name they were the 30th baseball team that you name when you're saying hey quick name all the baseball teams uh padres is it pa- pa- what was that oh padres right oh who's like chase headley is like their best player okay lots changed since it's just it is amazing that is the part i keep reflecting on Way more than the financial element. One more point, and then we'll talk about the Red Sox. Yesterday, Jordan, I was dragged to the Top Gun bar across the street from where the winter meetings were. It is the bar where they filmed the Top Gun bar scene, apparently. I have never seen the first Top Gun movie. Mm-hmm. I've seen the second one mm-hmm. twice <laughs> um, for some reason. And anyway, we're walking up, me and a group of people, and there's a very intoxicated San Diegan walking up to the bar. And there's ESPN playing on the screen and it's like Bogart's Padres. And this guy just goes, can you believe it? Our team, our team just signed 
the best player in the American League are Padres. And while one of those two points is unhinged and incorrect, all due respect to Xander Bogarts, it was the disbelief, the continual disbelief from this Padres fan that they were the ones in the mix getting the player. After like decades of irrelevance, they were the ones on ESPN signing Xander Bogarts. And it was... It, it you could see even though this man um maybe has a headache this morning <laughs> there was genuine joy and surprise yeah. on his face let's yeah. talk about the boston red sox yes here man so here let's let's start where, where we left off uh on yesterday's episode which was that at lunch because the sequence of the Bogarts reporting yesterday was, I think, relevant to this conversation as well. Because at the start of the winter meetings, and honestly over the weeks leading up, it was like, oh yeah, they're not even trying with Bogarts. It's not happening. Uh, he's gone. Blah, blah, blah. And so I feel like Red Sox fans and us were just like, uh, well, damn, that's disappointing. But you start to process it. Again, we talk about sequencing. Then yesterday, we get reporting that... No, they're back in. Like, they really are trying. We get a term, heavy discussions, tweeted out uh, by John Heyman. This could all be negotiation, right? Of course. Scott Boris well, maybe negotiating through the media. What a surprise. I want to talk about this specific. Like, this – when we allude to agents or teams using media members mm-hmm. to drive prices up or down, this is, like, the textbook mm-hmm. example of it, right? Yeah. Where – John Heyman is, has a reputation for being in Scott Boris's pocket. Mm-hmm. That is a fact, yeah. right? And Heyman yesterday was like heavy discussions with the Red Sox. Yeah. The- that would then, in theory, drive the Padres' price even price higher. Even higher yeah. right? And now there were other rumblings from other people, but that is <laughs> yeah, – And, ma- and maybe mm-hmm. you know, there, this is, it was really true, and I get that. But there is something – stinky about how that goes down yeah but it's not it's not just a boris thing i mean honestly i i think let's go back to the judge situation for example right yes the giants were in from the beginning and the yankees knew that all along since the day you know the season ended and he became a free agent but the padres getting in at the last second you know i'm good for them and they did apparently meet with aaron judge but if you're aaron judge What's more likely to get you that last, you know, offer at the end is to say, oh, yeah, I also just met with the Padres. Like, he's doing that. And that's that's more of, like, using that. It happens all the time. That's just how free agency works. And so, to, to me, <laughs> I do wonder if anything had changed about the Red Sox offer at all. If yeah. they had increased urgency at all in the last few days. Right. Or if, as we've learned after, they were never even close. Right. I think what I'm trying to convey is not that this is some enormous like moral fault on on that you know it's more like this is how this works right right i'm trying to convey that this is how the dynamic goes let's hop back to the red sox right they look silly they look silly right now it's a tough look there was the understanding maybe for them like they kept saying the whole time they want to bring bogarts back they want to bring bogarts back and you would imagine that if their final offer was like, you know, in the $240 million range, like nine years or something, that would have gotten it done. Except they were dancing with a madman. And that's A.J. Preller. <laughs> they, and this is how, uh, this is what happens when you wait, mm-hmm. right? 
They lowballed Xander Bogarts multiple times over the last year where he was confident enough in his ability to post during the season, opt out, get a raise. And once you do that, you invite other teams into the mix. Mm -hmm. And when you invite other teams into the mix, you might just find yourself (laughs) face-to-face with someone as desperate as A.J. Preller (laughs) and with as much money to wield as A.J. Preller. And now Xander Bogarts is on the Padres. Yesterday on our pod, we discussed with Foolish Baseball, Mm -hmm. Bailey Freeman, about the five teams in the American League East. Yep. This move, Bogarts to San Diego, for me, squarely puts the Red Sox at number five over the next five years. Hmm. Chaim Bloom, uh, fellow member of the, the Jewish community, is officially, Jordan, mm-hmm. on the wobbly chair. He is on the on the overheated seat <laughs> as a general manager of the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, and, and again, you know, the Yoshida deal is, I mean, that looks even more like a huge... Uh, gamble, not necessarily like oh they spent money they were going to spend on Bogarts on Yoshida, but <laughs> Bloom said yesterday before Bogarts left, you know he went on uh, MLB Network Radio and he said like yes, like we'd have loved to have Xander back, but if we if if not, uh, we have to move on with our offseason and we're still going to have a good team, and I believe he believes that because the reality is. Basically, most baseball teams believe they're going to be good, on, even in the Red Sox situation. Like, I do believe he's still looking at the roster thinking yeah. they can be good. But I do agree with you that uh, it's, it's, looking, it's looking not great. And now you really look around and say, how do they – sometimes with the judge situation, how do they pivot? In this case, I, I don't even know what's realistic because it's one thing at the start of the offseason to be like, oh, maybe if they kick up Bogarts because he wants to leave and he feels disrespected, maybe they go after Correa. I mean, what what is the move here now where they can even convince us to get back into the into that mix for forget the division, but even a wild card race? I'm I'm not sure. Uh, maybe it is you know Kodai Senga, maybe adding more to the pitching staff. Doesn't I guess Swanson, Nimmo, uh, is, and I Swanson maybe right? Nimmo is, is an interesting one. So I don't know. I mean, I I think they're going to still stay active because to your point, Bloom. Probably also, is, he's a smart guy. <laughs> he's probably well aware that he's going to have to improve this roster even more uh, to feel at all comfortable uh, going into this season. All right, Jordan, let's take a quick break. Let's do it. Negro Leagues Baseball Museum President Bob Kendrick hosts the SiriusXM original podcast, Black Diamonds. The Negro Leagues didn't care what color you were, and they didn't care what gender you were. Can you play? Hear stories of the leagues and legends that shaped sport, culture, and society. That's why the museum is so important. It's like, we are never going to forget you. Episodes of the award-winning Black Diamonds are now available wherever you get your podcasts. We're not talking about balls and strikes. We're talking about your life. And we're back here on Baseball Barber Guest, Jake Mintz, and my middle school classmate, Jordan Schusterman. Hey, hey. It's true. For those of you just listening for the first time, that is a fact. Jordan and I have known each other for many, many years. And speaking of many, many years, Xander Bogarts signed for many, many years just last night with the San Diego Padres, 11 years, 280 million shekel. Jordan, we're going to talk about that in our next segment, taking a look at the five biggest questions leaving the winter meetings. And number one is Bogarts related. I ask you, my dear, 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 dear. Dear, dear friend, where are all the San Diego Padres going to play on defense? So we already started to have some debate about this 
at some point this season about Tatis and where he will be when he comes back. Because we were talking about Ha-Sung Kim and how awesome he looks, certainly on defense. But in the postseason, it was like, oh, Kim's great. You know, are they really going to let Tatis come back? Tatis, who is capable of providing highlights at the shortstop position, but not necessarily consistency and play and play completion as consistently as, as Hassan Kim. That boy, nice. Defense. That boy, he's certainly nice. Um, at the same time, <laughs> I always thought like, yeah, Tatis is going to play shortstop when he comes back. He's Fernando Tatis Jr. Like, that's how this works. He's the guy. Preller, I'm sure, is still pissed at him for all the reasons we've talked about over the last 12 months. But also, I think they would like him to play shortstop. Now you add another shortstop. What a surprise. Here comes Xander Bogarts, someone who people have speculated, will he move positions? Well, third base is not possible because we know Manny Machado is there, at least for one more year with the opposite after this year. I think he'll stick around long term. But let's just talk about 2023. Let's keep focus on that, right? Second base, you have... Jake Cronenworth, well, as it stands. Can we just – how should they do it? I think there's you, a how should they do it and what will they do. Okay, how should they do it? Like what is the optimal defensive alignment if you don't care about hurting anyone's feelings? If you don't care about hurting anyone's feelings – the thing is I don't even really know – Bogarts we can assume would be a fine second baseman just as much as we can assume Tatis would be a fine second baseman. Correct. Right. So I think that the the ideal option is is Kim at, at short, Bogarts at second, and Tatis in the outfield. And Cronenworth at first. And Cronenworth at first, if we're not going to make any trades. And I think what will happen will be exactly that, except Bogarts and Kim will flip. flip-flopped. Mm-hmm. I do think that before they signed Bogarts, Kim was still going to play short. And the reason I believe this is that Fernando Tatis Jr., when he fell off the motorbike... And took the PEDs and was weird about it when he got caught. Lost the right to be the guy who's a stickler about where he plays on defense. He lost that right internally with Padres front office people and within the clubhouse. An example would be like when Starling Marte came up with the Pirates, right? And was clearly a better defender in the outfield than Andrew McCutcheon. And the Pirates didn't move McCutcheon off of center because he was Andrew fucking McCutcheon. Right. Right. Fernando Tatis Jr., before all this shit, was Fernando fucking Tatis Jr. And so he got to stay at shortstop. That is gone. That right is gone. And Xander Bogarts, I would imagine, for this amount of money, is going to go and play shortstop. Mm -hmm. Now, it's a little weird to have Kim play second when all of his value is – most of his value is defensive. Mm -hmm. Now, some have speculated, oh, could they trade Kim? Oh, maybe they would even trade Tatis, right? Like, this is something that people have brought up. I don't think either of those things will happen. I think this is a good problem to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, one of these guys will miss a chunk of time this year, probably. Well, Bogart's, Bogart's probably not, but yes. But, yes, no, it's but like, one of, like, Machado, yep. Tatis, Kim, yep. Kim, you know, Cronenworth even, mm-hmm. is going to miss some time. And if those guys miss time, you can just move mm-hmm. Cronenworth over to second and put a bopper at first and go trade for Rowdy Telez or whatever. Like... Uh, they have options in a way that I think is very enviable. Also, moving Tatis to the outfield is fills an outfield spot in a way that now it's one fewer thing you're thinking about this offseason. Because, yes, at this point, I'm done doubting the degree to which the Padres are going to be spending money. 
but I have to imagine this is their one big move. So I don't know. Again, I could be wrong. I don't know why I'm, I'm restricting them. But that would be one fewer thing they have to worry about, uh, at least after the first 20 days of next season. <laughs> so right now, we're looking at Nola behind the plate, Cronenworth at first, Kim at second, Bogarts at short, Machado at third, and left would be Soto. Yeah, it seems like they're, they're gonna they would like to move Soto to left from right. Soto in left, Grisham in center, Tatis in right. Me and you are DHing. Let's move on <laughs> to the next question, my dear friend Jordan Schusterman. Leaving the winter meetings. Yes. Is this it, New York? The Mets and Yankees both made moves over the last week. Justin Verlander going to the Mets. Uh, Aharon Judge going to the Yankees. There's still work to do in both places. So I ask you, my dear, 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 dear friend, is this it, New York? Right. Mets also getting Quintana. Trying to see, are they still going after another pitcher? Uh, But the Yankees... Way more so. I mean, the Mets. <laughs> I don't. I, I guess there's a chance the Mets are done. The Yankees cannot be done, especially with the with the Hal uh, uh, discourse or him him putting it out there, saying like, "Yeah, we are going to do more than just bring back Aaron Judge," because the point we've made all along, like this is still now the same team, if not a slightly worse team, that just got uh, whooped by the Astros. Maybe that's a little unfair if Lemayhew's coming back healthy, but Benintendi's a free agent, so he's not there. We can't factor him in, even though he wasn't there. Uh, in the postseason, so yeah, it's a great question. I, I don't, I don't know what the next move is for for either team. It feels like the Mets are being more aggressive. How long can? Because the Yankees have been so solely focused this whole time, right? And so, sure, I'm sure they've discussed about what the next move might be, but we haven't necessarily heard them in the mix for that many others, except for Rodon. I think is the main one that we that we've heard uh, for them, kind of really strongly in the mix for, as well as the Mets. So that's maybe the most interesting part about this is what's the next move for both of them? And now, because the Mets apparently were not trying on Aaron Judge, now are they, do they start competing for the same players? I think that mm. is maybe uh, the most interesting thing moving forward. I actually think the Mets need to make a move more than the Yankees because I know I've been tough on the Yankees. Like, mm-hmm. you can't just run this team back out there and expect mm-hmm. to win the World Series. Yeah. You can't. But they have now returned to team that won 99 games. Mm-hmm. The Mets have a Brandon Nimmo-sized hole in the outfield and at the top of their lineup. And as of right now, that is being filled by, in theory, pushing Marte to center, Mm -hmm. having McNeil play right, and Canna play left. right. And that's still a pretty good outfield. That's not a huge problem. But then you're playing Luis Guillorme at second every day. And I'm not sure how sustainable that is. Now, maybe you go get Gene Segura. You have him play second. You go get Kevin Kiermaier, Mm -hmm. right, put him in center. I just think it's a lot to ask a 34-year-old Starling Marte coming off of abdominal surgery <laughs> to play 160 games in center field. Yes, I agree. And the offensive, you know, power uh, value that you're losing from losing Nimmo. Well, like, just on base. I mean, he was your he was your guy at the top of the order. Like, right. that's forget what position he's playing. Like, that is a huge part of the lineup. Just because you can paper over things internally doesn't mean you should, right? Taking Nimmo out and putting Luis Guillorme in from an offensive perspective makes them a way worse lineup. Yeah. A way worse lineup. And so I think even if they go and get I, – I think Kiermaier offensively is is pretty much cooked, but he's so good in center that if they went and got Kiermaier, I think that would be a really good fit for this team. Yeah, I think that makes sense. If that maybe allows like a, McNeil to play second every day. Yeah. Right. Maybe they go trade for Brian Reynolds, although I don't 
think they have enough I, firepower? I don't know, unless you're trading someone like McNeil, but I don't, I, I don't think they're in the mix for that. I'm sure they're they're, they're calling. Everyone should be calling the Pirates about it. Um, that's, by the way, also the Yankees rumored to be interested uh, in Brian Reynolds, which is which is interesting, and they probably do have the firepower to get, to get it done. Um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, I still feel like there's more urgency with, with the Yankees, but I, I, I see what you're saying. I, see, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. It's, it's close, but that's why we're asking it, because both of these teams will be thinking about uh, in the coming weeks. Question number three about what our questions leaving the winter meetings look like. Jordan Schusterman, my dear, dear friend, what happens to the car lie? Mm. So the top of the free agent market now, uh, you know, I guess you could say we, we mentioned Nimmo, Dansby Swanson. Also, we're starting to get some rumors for him. But to us, the two best players available left are Carlos Correa and Carlos Rodon. Both of them, Scott Boris agents named Carlos. We have definitely gotten way more reporting about the teams involved uh, in for Rodon uh, compared to Correa, but perhaps now that Bogarts is off the board, maybe we start seeing some more urgency from a team like the Twins to retain him. Maybe a team like the Giants after Judge are going to start uh, really making making some moves. We have still heard about the Cubs, right, still pursuing uh, some of these, these free agents. Uh, we, we've heard that they have met uh, with Correa and have interest in Swanson. So I think the Cubs are definitely a team to watch here. The Rodon one is way harder to figure out because there are so many teams in the mix and their priorities have clearly shifted over the course of the offseason. What do you think? Where are they going? You don't have to predict, but like, I mean, who are the teams we're going to start hearing talked about uh, in the, over the next week? Because these are the biggest names left. The Rodon market is so weird because mm-hmm. there's nothing obvious left. I think the Giants have to be back in. I don't know why there yeah. hasn't been a deeper connection there mm-hmm. of him returning. I mean, I thought the Padres, maybe before Bogarts, I think that would have been another way for them to improve. But it did seem like they were prioritizing adding offense more. We know the Twins are super interested relatively in Rodon. Mm-hmm. They might get priced out at the top of that market. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. It it. it it's a much hazier market for Rodon than it was a month ago. Because Texas was the no-brainer, right? Texas was the obvious one. And I guess you could still say he certainly would still be an upgrade over a good part of their rotation. But it does seem like they're like, no, we, we spent. We did it. We spent on pitching. And, and, Job and done. They'll, they'll continue uh, uh, on with their offseason. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know what, what the other obvious fit is. I mean, the Mets are still a good fit. They, they certainly are. Let's start. I don't know if it's more than the Yankees. It's such a weird one, right? Yeah. For Correa, the Twins want him. The Twins want him so bad, and they haven't shied away from saying it a million times, right? They love this guy. They loved having him. They loved him in the clubhouse and in the community, and they believe that they convinced Carlos Correa from a cultural perspective that living in Minneapolis for the next decade is good. And I do think Correa will do that. Uh, everything that we've heard is if like... He, if he gets that contract that he wants, he will go to Minnesota. Yeah. Dumb, like, Prada bag <laughs> comments aside, which I... That was great. He liked being in Minneapolis. He liked being in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Now, again, it comes down to how much did he like it? How much more will another team bid over the Twins? Will that matter? Taxes will come into play, as I always do. Are the, how desperate are the Giants after losing Judge? I don't think that desperate. I think Farhan has shown restraint at various points in his yeah. tenure as a trigger man. I think the Cubs are are most likely non-twins for Correa at this point. I, st- I still feel pretty good about that. Mm. Um, but but yeah, no, it's it's, it's interesting. The, Gi- the Giants will also still have a lot of money to spend, but we'll see just how much they want to do it for non-arson Judge uh, players. 
All right, what's our next question? Question number four. There were a lot of signings and a lot of news and a lot of buzz and rumors here at the winter meetings. Hmm. But what there were not a lot of was trades. So I ask you, Jordan, my dear, dear friend, hmm. why were there no trades? I'm not sure I totally where the know trade? the answer to this. Um, because MLB trade rumors this week was not a that. It was it was MLB trade rumors, right? We had that yep. earlier on, and then it was just and then it was just MLB just, judge just rumors, judge rumors, and 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 MLB just money getting you know chucked around the league, which is fantastic. We love that. Uh, we did get you know we're starting to get a couple minor re- you know reliever trades. You know Tigers trading Joe Jimenez to the Braves. I mean we got like a really weird. A's Rockies trade earlier, but yeah, I mean, and and some front office executive, we got Brooks Raley to the Mets. Whoa, some minor stuff. I mean, these are these are important deals because the teams need relievers, but they're not spicy. They're not exciting. They're not. Oh, I. They're not. You know, all caps breaking trades. They're not. That's what I want to see. I want to see an all caps breaking trade. They're not. Let's talk about this at the water cooler. Like (laughs) no one is showing up to work and being like, "Oh man, yo, Mets got Brooks Raley." Like I don't think. That's moving the needle for anybody. And I understand like trades are not just for our entertainment, but like also they are. They also are because I'm selfish. But executives were talking like this is the fewest trades we've ever seen. Weird. Like, why aren't we talking? It's like you you can change that. Like you go, go talk. Go. I, I mean, literally, Justin Hollander, the GM of the Mariners, who knows trades as well as anyone, as we know, was like, yeah, this is weird. This is the fewest trades we've ever done. Or we've ever seen. Now the Mariners have made two significant trades this offseason already, so it's not like they haven't done their their fair share. Uh, at the same time, it's like, yeah, go. Well, then you can go call them and try to keep making more trades. I'm sure you can do that. Um, I think it has to do with who's trading away, right? Mm-hmm. Murphy and Reynolds are like the big pieces that are obvious, where they're good players on bad teams who are trying to acquire prospects. And most trades these days still are. Good team trying to get better gives away prospects for good player on bad team, right? And we don't have too many good players, tradable well, good players right now on bad teams. Like the Reds already traded everyone. The Nats have absolutely nothing and already traded everyone, mm-hmm. right? And so I think because of that, there aren't as many top of the market big players that are obvious guys to move and be traded and away. every all the major trades we have had this offseason have been guys with one year left between yeah. contenders right we saw well i mean that's a little bit but yeah no i mean g-man Choi, who's a good player the Rays trade him to the pirates but renfro or shella we saw winker we saw Wong, we saw teoscar these are all players this that is a different category of trade that's easier to execute but i think what's happening here is if they are going to trade murphy or reynolds murphy seemed likely when we were sitting here four days ago it was like Murphy deal getting close, and now here we are still waiting for it, is that if you're going to trade one of those guys with three years left, you better get a ridiculous amount back. Uh, and I think that they're holding out for that because it's a little bit different than trading a guy with one year when he probably isn't going to help you as much as someone else can uh, the next year, next season. Last question. Yep. My dear, dear friend, Jordan Schusterman. When is liftoff? Now, if you're listening and you don't know about the Baltimore Orioles, they're a baseball team, uh, you're probably a little confused. Over the trade deadline, after the Orioles traded Trey Mancini, GM Michael Elias said, now it's go time, now it's liftoff. And so far, for the Baltimore Orioles, liftoff has been one-year deal for Kyle Gibson. Now, the other thing, the, the only other thing we really got out of the winter meetings was 
a Scott Boris quote about <laughs> the Orioles. He was asked about them in, in terms of how, how likely they are to be in the mix for, for some, of his, some of his clients. And what was the exact term? I believe he referred to them as, as feathered up. Yeah. Which is interesting. I, I, I don't know how <laughs> much. I guess Boris was like, I haven't really thought about the Orioles recently. I, I, I got to work on that one. Um, but, yeah, I feel like that is uh, that is that makes me think that he is thinking more about them. Here, here's a quote from Boris. Baltimore, they're birds of prey. That's easy. Womp. They've feathered up. I don't know if they've feathered up. Like, they have feathered up or they are feathered up. I don't know. They're guys who really have an amazing young core. They're trying to supplement this young nucleus, and they feel they're ready to be competitive. Well, maybe not, because <laughs> yesterday we got some quotes from GM Mike Elias who said, I think it's really hard to sit there and chart a course and say, we're likely to win the division. He said that they will not flip a light switch to maximize their 2023 payroll and the same effectively applies to their playoff chances. That is from Nathan Ruiz, mm -hmm. the Orioles writer for the Baltimore Sun. Now, this is annoying because he literally said four months ago, like, <laughs> now it's liftoff. And then all he has done since then is just backtrack. Here's, here's what I'll say to that, though. Ready for liftoff is we're getting off the ground. We've been on the ground. <laughs> liftoff, you are, you are heading somewhere, right? He's not saying we are going to reach the moon or wherever you are you know, go, you know, <laughs> going for, the destination. He's just saying we are getting off the ground. And they did that you know, without making any major transactions besides call-ups this year. Like the liftoff has, has begun. What you're saying is you would like it to be fueled a little bit more intensely. Yeah, this is a hoverboard. <laughs> okay. I want him to be in the okay. stratosphere. Okay, okay. All right? No, and, I, get I get it. I get it. And it's also annoying to to publicly say as the GM, like, we don't think we're going to make – we're going to win the division. Mm -hmm. It's hard to sit there and chart a course and say we're likely to win the division. If I'm on the Orioles, I'm not – I'm heading to spring training like we're going to win the division. Like, we want to yeah. win the division. Yeah. I just think that is – I understand what he's saying – but I actually disagree with him. I think that there were moves that the Orioles could make and spend real money that they have in their coffers. So much. They have so much so room. Much they were in a $40 million payroll. If they had gone out and signed, you know, Correa and Bassett, and like there's a world where they win the division. Yeah. I think that that is more possible now than it has been in six years. And for the general manager of the Orioles to sit there publicly and hedge. We're not, we're not trying to win the division yet. Like, ah, it's frustrating. Lift off to me. You said, li like, he didn't have, <laughs> have to, to say exactly. lift off. I mean, this is the DePoto thing all over. I mean, it's like, you didn't have to say that. You didn't have to see that. I appreciate it until I don't. <laughs> and for DePoto, he says shit all the time. He's also said similar things, not as much this year, but like, the li even last year, it was like, look, the Astros, they're over there. But at some point, you have to say, no, let's take them on. I agree that. I, I, I agree with that. But the Astros have been over there. They <laughs> yes. are over there. And even with the Yankees getting judged back, they're not as over there mm -hmm. as, as the Astros. Yeah. Like the Astros are just the Astros, man. Yeah. Like this year it's a little different because the Mariners played them so close. In the yeah, yeah. And that's that's why I think they do think they're, I get they're that. closer. Yeah. But the last three years, the Astros were in a different universe yeah, of course. to the Mariners, of right? Course, of course. And the Orioles, it's it's just don't just don't don't say it, man. Don't yeah. It. No, it is disappointing. I agree. And we'll we'll see what, what liftoff really looks like. And a lot of offseason left. Um I would like to see them make a trade. Again, they, they certainly have the 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 ammo to, to to do it. I think what the quote really is saying, we're not trading prospects. 
mm, away. I see. Okay. That is kind of what I read it. But, like, but, but, we're not trading a significant amount of players away. And if that's the case, then I don't want to trade. Like, I don't want them to send Anthony Santander away yeah. if he's going to be a big part of the next couple right. seasons. Uh, those are our five questions. Jake, we have a transaction that has just come across the tweet deck. Ooh. Uh, it is a minor league contract, but it is a very interesting one. Are you ready? We're going to do live reaction here, and then we're going to end this podcast. Minor league contract, yeah. Craig Kimbrell. The Dodgers have signed an outfielder to a minor league contract. Think about an uh, outfielder who, this is not something you've probably thought that much about this offseason, but uh, he's not that old, and we think reclamation projects, someone who has been a very bad hitter for the last many seasons, but certainly the last two but uh, unlike a situation like Cody Bellinger, this guy is completely beloved and one of the hardest workers and one of the great uh, people, clubhouse people in our game. He is 33 years old. He's a left-handed hitting outfielder, and his name is Jason Hayward. The Dodgers have signed wow. Jason Hayward to a minor league contract. Wow. Um, I don't know Why? where that fits in, but he is only 33. I'm, that's, when I say he's only 33... That's not necessarily me saying he can figure it out, but it is me saying I'm not surprised he's still trying to figure it he's out. He's younger than Chris Bassett. <laughs> yeah. So Jason Hayward uh, is on the Dodgers now. You know what that might be? That might be a come to spring training, give it a shot, be good vibes, yeah. and if it doesn't work, you have a great life. <laughs> that's fine with us. But I love that. I love that. Good for him. And that's, I mean, talk about just like lightening the mood and, and a, good, a good guy to have around no matter what. It's Jason Hayward. Jordan, it's been a pleasure. Here at San Diego at the winter meetings, we did what, eight shows, nine uh, shows. I, Chris, producer Chris is in the hotel here watching. I was it eight? Was it? I think it was at least eight. I think we did yeah. eight. Yeah. I think we did eight. That's, that's, that's it's been weird. quite a ride. It's been quite a journey. Uh, thank you all for tuning in and listening. The response to this week has been outstanding. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for subscribing. You can email us at baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. Anything else? Yes. Uh, we, we, yeah, we appreciate the support. I mean, this was, <laughs> the, like I said at the start, I mean, it went about as well as we could. We didn't have a situation where we put, put it up an episode and, like, the biggest news happened immediately. Um, we appreciate your patience. If you're on the East Coast, I know some of these pods were posting pretty late, uh, but we hope uh, you enjoyed that. So thank you to producer Chris for, for making that happen and everyone at the SiriusXM uh, set for helping us make this week possible. Um, I think you may have seen it this week. We had a billboard. Uh, I don't know if it's still up today, but a billboard promoting the podcast. Again, when you think about where we started with this silly show, is a very weird thing and very cool, and we appreciate that. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been really cool to to be back podcasting, and it, it makes the off season so much more fun. It is it is that simple. I know when we couldn't podcast during the lockout, there weren't actually things happening, but still now with with a regular with a regular off season with real moves happening consistently. This is the best to be able to hop on here and, and talk to you, my good friend. Bye, Jordan. Thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you next week on Baseball Barbercast when we probably will have a lot to catch up on. Have a good weekend. Sirius XM Podcasts.